So this morning, we're going to read through a couple of, of chapters, but our focus chapter today is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. So you can turn there. It's going to take us a little bit to get to that chapter. There are other chapters and, and verses that we're going to read. Those will be on the screens, but that is our focus verse today. And if you have been to a wedding ever in your life, uh, you know what this verse is. It is the chapter on love. So good. Even this morning, uh, before we stepped into the moment of baptism, uh, you just felt the love of God in the room today. And we pray online that that was able to, uh, to just penetrate those screens and, and, and be so real in your homes as well. There's this sense of love from God reaching down, encouraging us today that no matter what we walk through, storms and, and difficulties, that he is present and we can stand on his word. We're going to talk about that a little bit today, especially from the eyes of Paul, because Paul had a really interesting journey in order to get him to the place where he was able to pen these words. Understanding God in terms of the, the wording that he uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, was not always God, uh, Paul's understanding of God. There was a time in Paul's life where he was more uh, willing to use force. He was more willing to use rules. He was more willing to uh, coerce people into following God than simply allowing the love of God to lead people to the Father. See, as Paul was being raised as a Pharisee, he knew the law and the Torah back and forth. Through his own life, he was able to witness the damage that un-Christ-like un desires can create. A law without love only crushes. And the day that Paul met Jesus, he learned how personally from love, Jesus takes it, that Jesus can take this, this love and absolutely transform your life. And we also see in that story found in Acts that Jesus is directly opposed to the harming of his church. To fully understand the love that Paul walks through, we really need an analogy today. And so I was thinking, well, how, what type of imagery can I give for perfect love? And I thought, oh, that's easy. Chocolate chip cookies. Simple, right? It honestly took me about five seconds to get there. See, my, my relationship with chocolate chip cookies goes deep. Oh, it goes so deep. Listen, when I was uh, being molded in my infancy, I was raised by a mother who probably loved me too much, uh, honestly, to the point where, like, some would say spoiled. You don't have to. You don't have to. All right? But as you get to know me better, and uh, I tell you some of the stories of me growing up, let's just say that my wife would, if she uh, uh, were able to have the microphone, would be, you know, spoiled might even be mild. And so my mom is, she's just an incredible woman. And uh, one of the things that she would do, as her mother before her did, is uh, my mom was an incredible baker. And she loved uh, to show her love to me, her oldest son, through the baking of chocolate chip cookies. And uh, to the point where some of my friends would invite themselves over. And as we entered into the home, they would go straight to the cookie jar. And I'm like, excuse me, first off, those are mine. 
right? I gave you one the last time because I wanted your friendship, but like, obviously it's gone too far. And my friends would come over, they go straight to the cookie jar, and all the time they would say, your mom makes the best cookies, and they would take like three or four. I'm like, can we stop at one? But my mom just, it was absolutely incredible. And I'd love to tell you that when I was 18 and, and, and left the house and uh, began to uh, create my own family with Cassie, that my mom stopped making me cookies. But to this day, anytime that I go home, there's cookies on the counter. And I just love it. See, there's something about those cookies that she made that even if you have the same recipe, it's just not the same. Right? And God bless Costco, right? Those frozen chocolate chip cookies that they make, like that's my extent of baking. And those are good, but they're not like my mom's cookies good. God's love is similar, isn't it? There is no replacing God's love. There's no replicating it. You don't have the ability to simply read into the Bible and get to know God on that level that you can truly replicate his love. We can show people God's love in us and through us, but it's not that love that they need to connect with, right? It's their own personal relationship with God. It's for them, for each and every one of us to connect with God and see and taste that he is good. Church, there's no raisins in those cookies. It's just chocolate chips. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know what I'm talking about. But this is exactly what happened with Paul. See, Paul had an understanding of who God was. In fact, as you get to know Paul and understand his story more, he was second in line to basically be the head Pharisee. He excelled in all of his studies. He knew the Torah and the law back to front. He was being raised to the position of leadership. He knew God in black and white. But he didn't know God in his heart. And there's a difference. There's a difference. Simply reading scripture and understanding who God is. Listen, it, the Costco uh, cookies are good, but they're not the real deal. And it wasn't until Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, that his heart was truly opened and that he truly, be able to under, that he truly was able to understand who God is, not just what he's about. And there's a drastic shift that takes place there. See, Jesus, as he's uh, beginning to, to, to portray the love of the Father way back in Matthew chapter 6, his disciples ask him, Jesus, how should we pray? And he says like this, Our Father which introduces intimacy. The understanding that God wants to hear from us and he wants to speak to us. To allow our prayer to identify who this prayer is going to. Hallowed be thy name. To stand in awe of a God who would send his own son to die in our place who throughout the history of scripture we see as man chooses themselves, as humanity chooses to walk in pride, God still chooses mercy and grace. Give us this day our daily bread. The understanding just as we prayed for today that in the midst of our storms, in the midst of our everyday, God is present and he wants to provide. Forgive us as we forgive the understanding of grace Lead us not into temptation, understanding our own weakness, but deliver us from evil. 
Church, we are in the middle of a war. For thine is the kingdom, power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. A hope of not only what is yet to come, but also a hope of heaven touching earth today. Understanding this prayer, understanding what it is that Jesus was inviting the disciples to, what we're invited to is understanding God in his totality. Understanding that every motivation of God's relationship with us comes from the characteristic of love. Church, we don't know love if we don't know God. We don't know love if we don't know God. You may be able to see some pale replication. You may be able to see some, some, some vague imagery of what, of what love is, but true love is only found in God. For God is love, and without God there is no love. This is our Savior. This is the God that we serve. And Jesus showed this. He showed us how to love others well. That to love others well, we need to fashion in our own lives a deep, deep well that God can fill to overflowing. Like Jesus, we are called to cultivate a place of prayer. And the Holy Spirit is the one who creates that well in us. Because Jesus uh, cultivated and trusted this place of prayer with his Father. This is what he was able to do. He loved his enemies. He turned the other cheek even when he was wronged. One of the most powerful verses in the Bible is as Jesus is hanging on the cross. What's one of the first things that he says? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What kind of love is this? What kind of love is this? He gave to others freely. He forgave those who trespassed against him. He courageously let people walk away, even if they, even if what they didn't, even if they didn't want him. Each of these is a gift of love that we can give to one another. Matthew 7, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 says this, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law of the prophets. And Jesus gives further insight in Mark chapter 12 of how to live out this golden rule of love with others. This is what he says in Mark 12, 30, 31. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Our love for God is holistic. Everything, all in. And as we are being loved from God, as we deepen our relationship with God, church, may it allow us to share that love with each other. May it allow us to support one another with body, mind, heart, and soul. To look at each other as, 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 as testimonies are ringing out, even this morning, as we had hands raised of different moments represented in this room of times that God has broken through. Of times where God has shown up and been more than enough. Church, let that be encouragement to your soul. Let us be a church that rejoices in testimony. Let us be a church that rejoices in moments when heaven touches earth and lives are drastically changed. See, this is our desire. 
Not to look at the love that God is, 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 is moving in other people's love and say, oh, why not me? No, we look at the love that God is moving in each other and we say, yes, God. Yes, God, do it more because I know that what you do in others, you will also do in my life. We celebrate the testimony of what God is doing, understanding that we stand on, the, on God's word, that he will not cease. That's the God that we serve. He is love. We talked a little bit about the church in Corinth last week, and this letter found in 1 Corinthians, as, uh, chapter 13, verse 4, is speaking to the same group of people as they were, were wrestling through who God was. And we talked last week about their inappropriate uh, expressions of love. That they understood that they were free, and yet they were using that freedom to walk boldly into sexual immorality. And Paul was calling them back to represent what God's love truly looks like. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 to 3, Paul says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters of the church in Corinth, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now what's Paul saying here? Paul's saying that there is a depth to what it is that God is calling us to. He's not saying that no one can simply say the words. Anyone can just say the words, but to truly express the meaning behind those words comes only through the understanding that is given by the Holy Spirit. There's this depth of understanding of who God is as we get to know not only the story of Jesus, not only the amazing uh, uh, love that's poured out from the Father, but also to understand the moving and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what it means to know God. To not know simply one aspect, to, to, but to wrestle through that three-in-one mentality. We serve a God who is three. He is Trinity in nature. And yet he's one. There's this beautiful understanding that to be able to speak up and say that Jesus is Lord, it comes from that, that place of being able to pray the Lord's Prayer and look at all those different factions and fashions of what it is that Jesus has called us to dig into and be able to begin to see God in the full light. Jen Wilkin put it this way. Says, she says, God is one God. But he is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Each person is fully God. But the Father is not the Son. And the Holy Spirit is not the Father or the Son. But they are the triune God who is perfectly one and distinct in three persons. Perfectly clear? Listen, the Trinity is one of the most difficult things to wrestle through, but one of the most beautiful and awe-inspiring. Beth Velker Jones puts it this way. The language of persons is not perfect. In fact, there's more to it. See, the oneness of God is not the oneness of a distinct, self-contained individual. It is the unity of a community of persons who love each other and live together in perfect unity and harmony. And personal means, by definition, interpersonal. God is love. God the Father, out of his great love for us, initiates his plan for salvation. 
And God the Son accomplishes salvation from this great love of the Father and us. And the Spirit applies salvation from his great love for the Father and the Son. And it's this understanding of the Trinity of God that truly answers the question of why did God even do this at all? As we look around at our world and see the pain and suffering that can take place, a very valid question can come to mind where we say, well, why? Why did God even start this? Why even bring creation into being if this is how it was going to go? But understanding God in triune form gives us the answer to that question. See, God, before creation ever was, always has, will forever, and is even now eternally existing in relationship. Someone needs to write that down today. Someone needs to write that down. Someone's been asking that question. What in the world is going on? And God in his existence has eternally existed in relationship. It would not be loving for a God who sees the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the beauty and the love and the unity that takes place there. It would not be loving for him to keep it to himself. And so us. Isn't that beautiful? That God would look at the existence of his own relationship, three in one. Say, it's not right for us to keep it here, and so let's create individuals that we can share this love with. We are the focal point of God's creation. And his desire is that we would know him and that he would know us. To include us in what I've heard described as the great dance. See, uh, God bless Jen Wilkins and, and Beth Felker Jones. There's so many amazing explanations and attempts to explain what the Trinity truly is. One of the, the most powerful ones that I've ever heard is this understanding that God exists in this continual great dance. That God the Father and God the Son are in this incredible dance that, that, that just, it's just flawless, right? Step and step, and, and, and they're, they're moving in this relationship beautifully. And, and the Holy Spirit is, is, is like the atmosphere. He's, he's the one that, that, that brings the rhythm and the motion. And, and, and in, this, in the middle of this great dance that's taking place, this, this beauty that can only be called awe-inspiring, God then extends his hand and says, come and join. And that's our invitation, to step into the dance that God in himself is already participating in, each and every one of us, as you are called by the Holy Spirit. It's not just for salvation, although salvation is at the root, but God wants so much more. Isn't that beautiful? This is why we proclaim as a church that we are not a church of escapism. We don't follow God simply to get out of here. No, we follow God because he is here. He is here. And he has invited us into relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that every day, we can join him in his dance. This is the Trinity. And it's so much more, right? Isn't that the beautiful thing? 
is that I can explain it as in this way that, that, that I can fathom and that I can see and that I participate in. But there's so much more, church. There's deeper understanding. Why? Because God, yes, he's a mystery, but he wants to be found. And he wants you to understand each and every day a deeper peace, a deeper notion of his love for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, chapter 12, 4 to 7 says this, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Hallelujah. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. He continues in, in verse 12 to 14. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, Slaves are free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. God is one. He has also called the church to be one. Not all gifted the same way. There are different, different gifts, different ways to serve. One of my favorite things about CityServe and, and the V Boutique is that there is an opportunity coming next Sunday. If you are here and you're like, listen, I, I just, I, like the, the, the studies and all these things are fantastic, but I just want to use my arms. Church, we have boxes for you to lift. Hallelujah. There is a place for you, right? And the giftings that God has given you with two arms. There is a place for you. And so I love that, 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 that God has called all of us together. There's different ways to serve. There's different activities in the church. Look around us. There's different ethnicities in, in this room that uh, God has, has just blessed Canada with the opportunity to bring the world together. God is perfect. His relationship is perfect. And though we are not perfect... We are called to begin to reflect this unity. My favorite things about Kanata Life Center is the desire to pray for one another is deep here. It is deeply rooted, I believe, in the DNA of this church, that this would be a church that prays. I see that. And there is unity in prayer. It's really, really difficult to be angry at someone when you go to bed every night praying for them. And I believe that here at Kanata, as I, I've only been here for a little over a year, but I see the DNA of prayer that God has rooted in this place. That as we continue to move and as we continue to follow God, church, we will be a church that is centered on prayer. Believing for one another. And not only prayer, but testimony of prayers answered. Come on. That we would be a church that would celebrate. This is what God has called us to do. That we here in Ottawa are called just as, uh, as, as, as the church has been given many members and, and here in our midst we have many gifts. Also the church of Ottawa has many churches but we have also been given specific areas where we are going to be called to own for the city. And I believe that prayer is one of them for us. That through prayer, Ottawa will see the love of God. That through prayer, high schools will be set free. That through prayer, there will be barbecues taking place in neighborhoods all across the Kanata community where the focal point is scripture reading and hot dogs. Because prayer changes things. And God's love is found in the midst.
1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have a prophetic power and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give it all away, all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Why? Because love is patient and kind. Remember who's writing this. This is Paul, formerly known as Saul, whose initial desire before meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus was to enslave those who proclaimed that Jesus was even worth following. And now he writes this to the church in Corinth. I read this with the, the worship team this morning. You know, so often we, we read these words at weddings and powerful, powerful model for husband and wife to share with each other, powerful model for us to set at the beginning of, of this commitment to one another. But it's so much deeper than that, isn't it? God is. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know hope in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So faith, hope, and love abide. These three things, but the greatest of these is love. Church, we're called to pray for one another. In that prayer, to begin to give our gifts of love to one another. We trust God is and loves us. We abide in God's loves and we grow up in God's loves. And like Jesus, we generously then give the gift of loves of love to others. As a human, Jesus trusted the Father. He was rooted in the love of his Father and grew in wisdom and stature before men by giving the gifts of love to those around him. Jesus is, was, and forever will be love incarnate in a way that the world is still hungry for today. Amen? Not merely a love of acceptance, but a love of transformation. This morning, we had two young ladies who showed us what rooting yourself in love can do. At the ages of 10 and 11, they melted the hearts of every single person in this room. Come on. Only God. Only God. And we have another young man who will enter the waters of baptism in our second service. And I just can't wait. Because do you know what it says about a church? When young people say, hey, I'll stand up on that stage. 
both of those young ladies this morning, I said, how are you feeling? They're like, nervous. But not unwilling to stand. Courageously before their church family. Why? Because love is here. Love is here in our midst. And we find the identity of that love in Jesus. But it's only through that deep well created by the Spirit in our own lives that we can truly soak and understand who God the Father is. And the enemy may bring wave and, and, and storms against you, but when your feet are settled on solid ground and you truly understand that not only is love patient and kind, but God is patient and kind. Not only does love not envy or boast, but our God is not full of envy or boasting. He is not arrogant or rude. Our God does not insist on his own way. True love chooses. See, Paul knew what it was to love the law and the Torah, but not love people. To use the inferior methods of power and persecution to seek to conform others by force. But when he met Jesus, he learned that when we treat others this way, this way our God takes it personally. And Paul met Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit was drastically changed. And through his interacting with, interaction with the Son and with the Holy Spirit, Paul is transformed for the better. Is it any wonder then why, when writing to help a church struggling to give the good gifts of love to one another, he addressed their core need to find, follow, and then let, let, love, let God's love flow from them to others. This is the call on our hearts today. That we would know God to a depth of understanding. That when people reach for the chocolate chip cookie, there wouldn't be raisins and oatmeal, whatever else you want to put in there. Those are Cassie's favorite cookies, and I love them. But there's just something different about God's love, isn't there? The world will offer love in all sorts of different forms, but there's just something different when you touch the heart of the Father, and he reaches out, wraps you in his arms, calls you his own. And so today, my prayer is that this would be a reminder for us of who God truly is. He is love. And through understanding and being reminded of who God truly is, may you leave this morning seeing yourself as loved in full. Church, maybe somebody needs to hear this this morning, but Anytime that you look at the cross, hear the story of the gospel, I want you also to hear that you are worthy of love. You are worthy of love. God looked at you, called you by name, sent his son to die in your place so that you could be invited into the great dance of what God is doing right here in this city and what he wants to do in your life. 
don't just sit in the relationship. Invite others into. Come on. So there's a city that doesn't know God yet, but he's calling to them. And his love is for each and every one that they would know him, that they would identify that his son did live, died on the cross, and was risen again on the third day. That only he is able to forgive sins, wash them under the blood, and transform lives from dead to life. That's our God. That's true love. Let's pray. God, what verses. <laughs> Thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us, God, in, in 2024 to go down this journey of 1 Corinthians. God, first, before we close this service, we just join together with those two young ladies and their families today, God. We lift them up before you. God, be with them this week. I pray, Lord Jesus, that the snow would seem a little whiter, that the sun would shine a little brighter. God, I pray in the lives of those two young ladies, Lord, that you would speak so clearly. May they give testimony this week, God, of a hot tub at the front of the church, but it not just being water, that you were there, that you were there to welcome them into your loving arms as they came out of that water today. God, that is love. Lord, for those of us in this room that needed that reminder of who you truly are, that you are love, and this, these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, God, they, they're used to describe you and, and the relationship that you have invited us into. So Lord, today, would you teach us more about who you are? May our awe grow only more today for our love of the Father. May the depth of understanding of who your son was motivate us today once again, Lord Jesus, to open up those scriptures, to eat of your word today, Lord God. And may it transform our lives by the power of your spirit. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the call to prayer that you have in this room. Even as we speak it into being, Lord God, even as we identify what it is that you have placed in our DNA, I, can, I just sense the Holy Spirit confirming that today, Lord Jesus. So continue, Lord God, to help us to unlock why it is that you've placed us here in the midst of Canada, God, why it is that you've called all these beautiful people together. God, we are not here to accomplish our purpose, but we're here to make your kingdom known. So for all of those who call Canada Life Center home, and for all of those who will in the coming months, love may, God, may love be at the center of it all. May this be a place where we believe together, we hope together, we have faith together, but more than all of those, God, that we would love without envy, without boasting, without greed, without keeping accounts, God, may we love because we were first loved by you. And I ask that today in your holy name. God, be with each and every one as we go today. 
And uh, Lord, already just jump into our 1045 service. And I pray right now for Fola. Right now, God, before he steps into the waters of baptism, prepare his heart. We are so excited to celebrate today what it is that you're doing. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for who you are in your holy name.